Welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. And uh, on this commissioning Sunday, I've got a message uh, for you. You know, I, I pray this, that God would just move upon your heart as he does every day, every moment of every day. He's there speaking to us, encouraging us, loving us, guiding us, challenging us, disciplining us. Don't you love those moments? And uh, is that God's got more for each and every one of us. Have you, have you ever asked God the question, why are you here? <laughs> Has anyone ever asked God, what am I doing here? Not just here on Sunday morning at, you know, 10 o'clock, but what, what am I doing here? On earth, because I know there's this inbuilt desire inside of each and every one of us is that we want to rise above the ordinary, is we want to distinguish ourselves. We, we want to live a life bigger than ourselves and greater than ourselves. And I, I found that that's something innate in all of us because God has commissioned us all to grow and all to enlarge and all to increase. And I found that there is a right way of doing it and a wrong way of just achieving the goals that God would have for us. And so this morning, I want to tell a story. I went to a Catholic school, and uh, not that I remember a lot from my schools, it's many, many decades ago, uh, but I do remember a particular class, or a series of classes that took place, as when uh, one of the Catholic priests came in and started talking about uh, the heroes of faith, some of the, the saints of old. And I, I remember one of the classes where he started talking about a teenage girl by the name of Agnes, is that in her teenage years, she felt a call to, you know, ministry. And so she went and started a ministry training after she finished school. She went and trained in Ireland and also in India. And there was a certain time during her time of ministry training, she went to her supervisors and she said this statement to her supervisors. She said, I have three pennies in my hand, but a God-ordained dream to build an orphanage. And the superiors looked back at her and said, Agnes, you cannot build an orphanage with three pennies. As a matter of fact, you cannot build anything with three pennies. And Agnes nodded her head and replied, you're right. But she said this statement afterwards. She said, but with God and three pennies, I can build anything. But with God and three pennies, I can do anything. You and I may look at our hands and say that it's insignificant. There is no great value what God has placed inside of my hands, but with God and three pennies, all things are possible. With mankind, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Never underestimate the person. Never underestimate the person who knows that God is with them, that God has a plan and purpose for their life, and they're willing to live their life with an open hand for kingdom purposes. I wonder if that's you today, that you know that God is with you, that God has a purpose for your life, and you are willing to live your life with an open hand to build the kingdom of God. As the story goes on, is Agnes serves in the slums and the streets of Calcutta for the next 50 odd years of her life. In 1979, this woman who originally was called Agnes, we know now today as Mother Teresa, (laughs) was given the Nobel Peace Prize as she served her generation for 50 plus years in the most horrific of circumstances, but started off as a teenager saying, but with God and three pennies, I can do everything. The story goes on about her life. 
And she was asked many times by individuals and by media and by government, Mother Teresa, how, how can my life have the same impact that your life has had in your generation? And more often than not, her response was just four simple words, and it's the title of my message today. And the four words she replied to this statement to humanity who asked the, the, heard the question, how can my life do something greater than what it currently is? And she said these words, find your own Calcutta. Would you find your own Calcutta? There was a day where she was in front of the media, media and she elaborated on these four words and she said this statement, I think it's going to be on the screen behind me. She said these words, stay where you are. Stay where you are. Find your own Calcutta and serve. Find the sick, the suffering, and the lonely right where you are. In your own homes and in your own families, in your workplaces and in your schools. You can find Calcutta all over the world. If you have eyes to see, everywhere, wherever you go, you find people who are unwanted, unloved, uncared for, just rejected by society, completely forgotten, completely left alone. Would you and I find our own Calcutta? Is that you and I can find purpose right where we are. And, and there is nothing wrong with going overseas when you're allowed to go overseas again. There's nothing wrong with going overseas, but there is need in our local community right now. There, there is need in your own road today right here. Would you and I simply just have eyes to see? And when you and I have eyes to see, God illuminates purpose inside of our hearts. Do you ever remember a time in your life where purpose came alive in your heart? Maybe it was a moment in time, maybe it's been a number of moments where you, you know what your life purpose is. But, but I found in life so many of us don't know what our life purpose is. It's, a, it's an elusive question. I remember for me it was 1997, I'm going to share very quickly this story. It was a really difficult time in my life. I had just transitioned out of the business world and into ministry world. It, it did not start as though I thought it would start. It was just a disastrous time in my wife and my life. And uh, there came a time where I just like, you know what, I just need to get away for a moment. I, I just need to go and just spend some time with God. And so I went, to, uh, I went down to a place called on the, down the coast called uh, Point Danger. It's where the border of Queensland, New South Wales meet there. And... Uh, there I just went and I prayed and I walked up and down that hill and I just, God, I just, you just need to help me. I was like, all my life seemed to be going so well in the business world and as soon as I said yes to ministry, it was like, it was a disaster. Don't join the, no. Um, no. It was just so, so tough and I, I remember just for hours just, just questioning God and, or asking questions of God. I found it's okay to ask God questions but never to question God. Yeah. Hmm. Don't question his nature and his character. And uh, after a couple of hours, uh, as I got back up to the top there, is uh, there was a shed on top of, um, on Point Danger there, which is a slide here. And as I looked at this shed, there was a, a gentleman sitting under this shed. And so something inside me was like, why don't you just go and have a chat to him? Just go and talk to him. He's sitting all by himself. And uh, I went up and I introduced myself and I found out that his name was Trevor. We sat down. And uh, we started talking. We shared our life stories with each other. He, he tells us, told me the story of how he was once a successful businessman. 
He was married, a couple of kids. Life was just going sweet. And uh, as a result of a number of a series of poor decisions and choices he made, he ended up losing his business. He lost his marriage and he had not seen his kids for many, many years. And as we got talking, his, uh, Trevor told me that he was homeless. He had lived on the streets of Coolangatta and uh, Tweed Heads for a long period of time. Uh, and so we kept talking into the night and uh, I asked him if he was hungry and he's, he was. So we went down to the local McDonald's there and uh, we had a McDonald's meal together. And I made this commitment to Trevor at the end of that, our encounter there is that I would come and visit him uh, two times a week, the same day, same time. And we'd meet at the shed uh, there at the top of Point Danger. And so for the next six weeks, I, I went there twice a week, same time, uh, just to meet with Trevor. And there was times where I'd take down meals to him as well and blankets and all those sorts of things and, uh, and Nadine cooked these meals, like fantastic meals, but Trevor wasn't keen of Nadine's cooking at all for some reason, but he loved McDonald's. And so we often just went down to McDonald's, had, had our meal together. But those six weeks for me were quite remarkable. I, I went the, the seventh week and uh, the same time, this point of day where we were supposed to meet and Trevor wasn't there. I asked around on, on top of that hill that day as to whether anyone had seen Trevor and no one had seen Trevor. Uh, I went back the next point of time uh, on that day and uh, he wasn't there again. And so something inside was like, well, I wonder what's gone wrong, I wonder what's taken place. And so over the next couple of days, I went to different agencies and police in that region and just asked, because Trevor was known, has anyone seen Trevor? But no one was able to locate Trevor. Uh, at the, after a number of weeks, I continued to go down just to see if he reappear. I, I don't know if I was entertaining an angel, because God says, would you entertain strangers, because in doing so, you may entertain angels. Uh, or I don't know if whatever happened to Trevor. I, I don't know the end of that story, but I know over those six weeks is that purpose came alive in my heart. Wow. And I'm not saying this to make anything big of me at all, but purpose came alive is that there was needs right in front of me. I just had to, had to have eyes to see. Uh, I live by the motto, there are no little people in the world. And so I'll stop and I'll chat to anybody. Uh, I, my purpose would be to try to help and find and locate humanity, uh, whether that was on a natural level or a spiritual level. I, I pray as I preach this message is that purpose would come alive in your heart is that God would just shift something and move something. He's placed such wonderful gifts and talents inside of you to reach a generation around you. And so I found that in our pursuit of Jesus, it's, it's in that place where we find purpose. We can go chasing purpose, but I found if I go chasing Jesus, purpose that was once elusive will be also found. I found that purpose is what gives life actual meaning. Uh, over the years, many people have asked me the question of, well, what's my purpose for my life? And I've also I got asked God that question, God, what's your purpose for my life? And as I've matured in years and matured in relationship with God, is my question is no longer, God, what's my purpose? My question now is, God, what's your purpose for my life? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to do what you want me to do. I, I, I want to accomplish what you have accomplished from the very foundation of the world. And, and for all of us, I find in the kingdom of God, there, there are two different types of purpose. There's a, there's a common purpose for all of those that are declared as sons and daughters of God, that we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have a common purpose, to be light and salt, commissioned to go into all the world, to carry the miracle-working power of God into the world. It's an identical purpose. We're, we're not competing against each other for God's common purpose. 
purpose for us. And then secondly, there, there's an individual purpose for each and every one of you, that God has graced you with gifts and talents and different personalities. I am so grateful the world doesn't just look like me. I'm grateful the world is not just a whole bunch of introverts that occasionally become extroverts. No, I'm glad for our differences here that we can reach, we can reach the world through the great variety that God has placed inside of us. And so for the rest of this message, I want to preach really more around our, our corporate approach to purpose. Not just the individual calling on your life, but corporately, well, well, what is our goal? And I think when it comes to purpose, we find it in Isaiah 43 and verse 7. Isaiah says these words, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, yes, I formed him, yes, I have made him, is that here it says, is that you and I have been created for God's glory. Our chief purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Is God did not create you and I to bring glory to the created, but to the creator. It is our goal in life is not to bring glory to each other or to ourselves, no, but it's always to place our glory on God because he created you and I to bring him glory. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says it like this, therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, would you do it all for the glory of God? Whatever you do the rest of Sunday, would you bring glory and honor to God? As Wednesday rolls around, whatever you do, would you bring glory and honor to God? Jesus says these words in John 17 and verse 4 saying to his father, Father, I have brought you glory on earth. What a statement. I've brought you glory, Father, on earth. How? By finishing the work you gave me to do. How do you and I bring glory to God? We finish what he asked us to start. I've found in life so many of us are really good starters. <laughs> we start well. And we can finish poorly, or sometimes we never finish at all. Any wives think about that with their husbands and to-do lists? It's like, you started that project 15 years ago. When, when is it going to be completed? Jesus said, no, I, is he in trouble right now? <laughs> oh, you're pointing the other way. She's in trouble. They both go like that. You can work it out right later, all right? My next message is going to be on conflict resolution. And... Uh, <laughs> Father, I have brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. God did not design you just to be a great starter. He designed you to be a great finisher. And for you and I to bring glory to God, would we finish what God's asked us to do? But so many of us are wrestling with, God, what is it you actually want me to start? And I believe there's got to be coming a stilling of our hearts and say, God, God, what's your purpose for my life? Would you illuminate to me over these days and weeks and months that I would find purpose. Uh, this morning I want to focus around one passage of scripture. It's 14 words, life-changing words. It was found in the book of Acts, Acts 13 and verse 36. It's penned by a guy by the name of Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes these 14 words about David who lived a thousand years earlier. And he says these words about David. It says, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. 
For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. 14 words. Imagine that statement being uh, written on your tombstone. The epitaph of your life, 14 words. I, I've tried to measure my life up against those 14 words and I'm a, I'm a miserable failure. But it's not over yet. My story's not over. I, I don't think there could be any words that could be altered in there to make it any bigger or any better. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. In this one passage, I see all of the potential human activities are outworked. Is that we have God, we have us, and we have others. And there's just a simple triangle, I think, maybe there, may not be either, it's okay. Is that in this simple triangle where there is God, us and others. This is where all human interaction takes place. Is our interaction with God is that God created you. <laughs> he fashioned you in his image and his likeness. He breathed the breath of life inside of you. He is an all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is an all-present God. He is for you. He would love you so much that he would send his only begotten son is that when sin entered the world, he came up with a master plan of redemption for each and every one of you. You are the apple of his eye. <laughs> he declares you as sons and daughters. You are more than a conqueror today. You have a God who is not just with you, a God who is for you today. And then we have us. God's masterpiece. You are his workmanship created for Good works. Yes, we are frail. <laughs> yes, we're just earthen pots, but God would deposit his very spirit and presence inside of us. He would now declare you and I as temples of his Holy Spirit. Is that each and every one of us are unique in so many different ways, but all crafted by the great creator. He's placed gifts and talents inside of your life that makes you so different and so unique and so wonderful. And then the third interaction in this triangle, this verse, is others. And I pray that you and I would always have our eyes to see others around about us, right where we are in our home, homes, in our own families, in our own universities, in our own streets. Humanity may not agree with what you and I behold as truth, but that's okay. It is that we are to love in spite of our differences. We're designed to declare the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around about us. In this simple triangle, there is God. I, I pray that God would be number one in everything, that you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that in your own life, you would see what God has fashioned, what God has formed, what God declares over your life, not what humanity has declared over your life. Now, listen to see what God's declared, and would you have eyes for others around about you? For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. To, to understand what God's purpose is in the life of David and how it comes alive in our hearts, we've got to go back to Psalm 57. David's at a really tough point in life. He, he's got a king that's after him, wants to kill him. He's in a place of uncertainty. He's in a place of fear. He's now found himself in a cave of all places. He, he, is, he is hiding here. 
There's uncertainty. There is fear around about his life. Life hasn't turned out how he thought it would turn out. And Psalm 57 and verse 2, in the midst of the cave, he says these words, I I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I cry out to God, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I'm so grateful that David did not cry out, God, would you fulfill my purpose for me? No, no, he cries out, God, would you fulfill your purpose for me? This verse very clearly says two things, is that each and every one of us have a purpose and God will fulfill his purpose if you and I allow God to be available to use this temple of his. Would you make your life available to God? There's got to be an alignment. There's got to be a decreasing of our will, our purpose, and a grabbing a hold of God's will, God's purpose for our life. I, I want to let you know today, if you've hit a roadblock, if you've hit an obstacle, if you've hit a speed bump in life, it's all okay. Yeah, come on. If you're in a place of uncertainty, it's okay. If you're in a place of fear and doubt, it's okay. If someone's coming after your life, it's, it's okay. It's okay to hit those times in your life because I, I know this about the nature and character of God is that when you and I are in a place of certainty, he's always certain. When we're in a place of fear, he has always got the Prince of Peace. <laughs> is that God is always working. He's doing 10,000 things behind our lives, working things out for good. Is God's constantly at work behind our lives. It, it may not look good right here, but God's working behind the scenes of each and every one of our lives, working it out for good, working it out. And I'm so glad that our God never sleeps and never slumbers. His plan and purpose will be fulfilled for your life. And I found about the nature of God is that God, he doesn't swing and miss. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make errors. He's working it out for good behind the scenes of our lives. It may look ordinary there, but it looks extraordinary from his view. Would you and I exchange our view for his view? is that God's Word will always accomplish what it sets out to do. It it can't return void. If God's Word's been declared over your life through a prophetic word or illumination through the the Word of God, would you grab a hold of that today? Because God's constantly at work, working things out for good today, for David. Serve God's purposes in his own generation, and he fell Asleep. Let me give you a few thoughts as we close out. For when David had served God's purpose, I wonder who's in your view today. David had served God's purpose. Is it the one that was in his view was God? And I found the one who's in our view is the one or the thing that we'll always pursue. Well, wherever the focal point of our eyes go is that. That's who we end up pursuing. And here it says that David fulfilled God's purpose. I wonder who's in your view today. Maybe you're in your view. That's all you can see right now. I pray that you and I would get out of the view. Maybe it's just others today, and that's important, but would you allow God to be number one in your view? Because I found this, when you and I have vertical eyes, we have missional eyes. It is if God's in our view, humanity will always be in our view. But if humanity's in our view, it's very difficult to get God in our view. If I'm in the view, no, no, it's very difficult to get God in the view. But when God's in view, I'm in view, humanity's in view. Vertical eyes lead to missional eyes. I, I wonder who's in your view today. 
Could you just switch the lens today and see the fullness of God in your view? God's got a great future and he's got a great hope for you. Better days ahead for each and every one of us. I wonder who's in your view for when David had served God's purpose. What is purpose? Let me give you a couple of things about purpose. So I found that purpose is not about you. It's not about me. It's pur- purpose doesn't come because it's about me. No, purpose comes because it's about others. I found that purpose gives you and I eyes to see. Is when purpose comes alive in our hearts, we can find our own Calcutta. God, would you give us eyes to see? To find our purpose, we must look up, we must look out, we must look in. Well, would there be a three-dimensional approach to our lens of our eyes? I found this about purpose, that pur- purpose emerges as we serve, not before. Yeah, true. And on this commissioning Sunday, purpose emerges as we serve. I, I pray that each and every one of us would have the ability to serve the world around about us, but also serve in the house of God. I think we're designed for those two purposes, that we'd use our gifts and talents, the uniqueness of who you are, we'd serve in the house of God, and we'd take that and we'd serve in the world around about us. I have found this statement to be true, is that purpose emerges as we serve, not before. For you and I, we just got to do something and I found that God says, yep, you're on the right track or he just navigates our feet to a different direction. But we've got to start moving in order to discover purpose. It's not about just being seated and just continually asking the great God, what's your purpose for my life? What is it? No, no. Would you start doing something? Would you just take what God has given you and go and change the world round about you? It's not about asking, why can't I do more or be better? It's asking this question, what could I do right now to bring advantage to somebody else? It's taking our eyes off ourselves and the world around about us. Would you get connected to the places where your greatest need meets the world's greatest problem? Or where your greatest gift, I should say, meets the world's greatest problem? Maybe you're here and you're just great at mowing lawns. If you just drive around the streets, there's houses in your area that need the lawn mowed. Or maybe you can cook a meal. There's, there's people in our community that just need meals right now. But maybe there's an organisation you can just be a part of and say, oh, you know what, I've, I can have this time once a month available just to go and help humanity around about us. Well, Pastor Graham Mel, what, what, what needs to be done in the church on Saturday before people come into the house of God? Well, what, what can I do this week for you? Is it for you and I, would you, would you take what God has blessed you with and see the need that's around about us? Would you fill the needs? Would you find your own Calcutta? Who's in your view? For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, would you and I take responsibility for our generation? If we don't take responsibility for our generation, who will? There's nothing I can do about the past. I, I can't alter history 100 years ago or even 10 years ago or even a week ago, but I can alter history today. And I can alter history tomorrow is that we do and I take responsibility for the generation in which we live. There's a whole movement across the globe right now over the last number of years. And their whole goal is to cancel culture. Hashtag cancel culture. You cannot cancel history. You can't cancel it. But we must learn from it. 
And there's some things in history that have been terrible things, but you can't erase history. You can't cancel history. But the whole plan of this movement and the movement and, and the enemy is to get our eyes off our current generation and continue looking backwards, blaming the past. Let's cancel this because this is going to make my life here a lot better. No, no, they don't give a rip about today. All they're trying to do is destroy what has been and we'll establish something new today. And like I said, is that history has not been kind to humanity and we, we, must, we must learn from it, we must grow from it, we must say sorry, we must be in a place of repentance, but you and I must take responsibility for our generation, but all our eyes seem to be on the past or on the future and we're missing this current generation. Would you and I take responsibility for this generation? Because I found through the Word of God, it only takes one generation for humanity to lose contact and relationship with Jesus Christ. As you look at Joshua's generation, we would say probably one of the greatest generations ever that saw the miracle hand uh, of God working in a generation. They saw the Jordan River part, they crossed on dry land, they saw the walls of the most fortified city, Jericho, come crushing to the ground. They even saw the sun stand still for a period of time. That's incredible miracles right there. A generation that saw God move in such an incredible way but then it goes on about this generation not just that they saw the great miracles of God but this was a sad generation his generation this is Judges chapter 2 and verse 10 it says this and there arose after that generation after them those who did not know the Lord or the work that they had done for Israel is it Joshua and his generation knew God and saw God move but it says the generation that followed after them They knew nothing about God, and they knew nothing about his works. One generation that experienced the great power and the presence of God refused to tell the generation to come the things about God. And it's almost like a day in which we're living in right now, don't you dare talk about Jesus Christ out there. Don't you dare raise this as the truth of the Word of God. It's like there's a shutdown now against the voice of of God. We're just not trying to cancel culture. No, we have a society that's trying to cancel God. And in one generation, the generation did not know God. They did not know his word. I I refuse that to take place in our generation. There's got to be something inside of our hearts saying, hey God, I need to fulfill my purpose for this generation. Is my eyes are not looking backwards and my eyes are not looking too far forwards. My eyes are right now on this generation, that out of our view being with God is then going to turn and be upon others. Would you take responsibility for our generation? And finally, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. My final thought is today, don't fall asleep too early. The older I get, the earlier I go to bed. Like my heron, don't fall asleep too early. Don't fall asleep too early. Fall asleep when God wants you to fall asleep. Oh, there's breath in our lungs, Henry. I'm going to keep getting up and keep going for God. Uh, I'm not falling asleep too early. It's that God has a mission for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. 
He has a future for you. Don't allow apathy, discouragement to get around at your heart this time. Don't fall asleep too early. And disappointment will come. But don't allow disappointment to take you out. Take it to God. Opposition will come. And that's okay. God didn't promise it would all be smooth sailing. But count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, I just want to cross that out so many times. Don't fall asleep too early, church. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, hey, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. And it will exhaust you. And you will get tired. But there'll be something inside of you, I'm not growing weary, even though I want, I'm so tired right now. I'm not growing weary. Where my vision may be failing for those, God, establishing new vision inside of my heart. Where, where my heart may be just a little bit like stone and rock, man, right now, God, how can you change this going on? Hey, no, God, would you replace that, that hardness with flesh today? Would you make it soft again? Don't fall asleep too early. So I wonder who's in your view today. Would you allow God to be in your view because vertical eyes enable missional eyes? Would you, would you take responsibility for your generation, your street, your next-door neighbours, your workplace, your church? Would you take responsibility? And would you stay awake? Would you be alert? Would you be vigilant? But what would you alert to and vigilant to? So don't fall asleep too early. Why don't we stand to our feet today? So I'm finished on this passage of scripture, Romans 11, verse 30, 13. It says this. Another reason for right living is this. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Would you wake up? Would you wake up for the coming of the Lord is nearer than when we first believed? To, to fall asleep before we've served our generation is an absolute tragedy. Don't fall asleep too early. Don't, don't give up too early. Don't, don't say it's over too early. No, no. God, would you waken us and for this commissioning Sunday? I wonder what it is that God wants you to fulfill in 2022. wonder what it is that God wants you to execute through your hands, through your gifts and talents. And never underestimate a person who knows that God is with them that God has a great future for their life and they're willing to live life with an open hand saying, God, build your kingdom. This morning, just with every head bowed, every eye closed. Uh, and maybe you're here today and you've said, Mike, I, I've never heard a message like this before about Jesus. I, I've never heard a message before about purpose. I, I've never heard that God has a plan or a future for my life. I've never heard that I have a, there's a God who's for me, just not, doesn't want to judge me. He loves me. Maybe you're like, well, I, I, I would love to receive this Jesus today. I'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you're here today and you once had purpose, but things have just got around about our lives and that's, that happens. But you know in your heart, it's like, you know what, I need to come back today. This discouragement's got around about my heart and apathy may have got around my heart, but today is a, a time to re-engage. I want God to be in my view. I don't want anything else right now to be in my view except God. So if you're like that today, we would just love to respond and give your life to Jesus Christ, whether for the very first time or whether you're coming back or whatever time it is, it doesn't matter. But I'd love to be able to pray for you. If you're like that today, saying, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me? I, 
I just want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. I want to rededicate my life to Him. If you're like that, I'd love you just to shoot up your hand. Put it up high today just to acknowledge who I'm praying for and praying with today. Let's look across. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, ma'am. That's amazing. That's a miracle that's taking place today. Is there anyone else this morning that would join with those ones? I know he's got a purpose for me. God, I, I need to surrender my life so I can grab a hold of your purpose. I've got to decrease so that you can increase. So look one last time. Is there anyone today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for those two lives. And that is the greatest miracle of all. Not of anything they have done, but everything you've accomplished on the cross for us. Jesus, you came, you died, you laid down your life. Death could not hold you down. On the third day, you rose again in a place of glory, in a place of victory. And Father, I thank you that right now you've declared that couple as a son and daughter of the Most High God. All things have passed away, and today is a new day, a new opportunity. And Father, I thank you for future, for hope, for promise. It's been spoken over their lives, in where humanity has spoken over their lives, Father, and even defined who they are. I thank you that your words are defining them right now, who they are. Sons and daughters, more than conquerors. Father, I thank you that I've journeyed with you all the days of their life. They've grown relationship, they've grown maturity, they've grown strength give you thanks in your wonderful, wonderful name. Let's put our hands together for that couple today. Amazing.